0: What is up? Welcome in. Happy Tuesday, y'all. Happy Tuesday. Chatting about cannabis back to normal. We're back to Earth from Thursday, it seems, Javi. But we'll get, we'll get all to all of that. I'm just happy to see my, my favorite Argentinian reporter alongside with me today. What's up, man? Doing great. Did you,
1: by any chance, listen? At the very end of the Cannabis Insider musical intro, a sound that wasn't there before, like a shh, at the very end?
0: No. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe No, I did not. However, now I'm going to be listening for it. Travis Owens, what is up? Strictly Free Sports. Thank you for tuning in again. Appreciate it, y'all. We have two amazing interviews for you today. One with a very cool, I think, I don't know if I can call them up and coming. They're pretty established um but a very cool software company uh, in the in the cannabis industry super excited to talk to their rocking uh super powerful female founder Stacy Ranowski. um i think i said that correctly we'll see uh I'm and then here, actually and after
1: that well, Stacy's backstage can you nod and, and and if
0: we nailed it yes you nailed it <laughs> mm. Nailed it on the first go. That's what I'm talking about. Then right after that, we are chatting with a member of Air Wellness uh, to chat. Honestly, we're getting some great insights on what happened uh, last week with Biden uh, and and some of the ramifications. uh, Obviously, you know, positives, maybe what we can expect. There's some from a leading MSO, a multi-state operator in the space, uh, what it means for them. Uh, And I'm going to ask them what they're doing uh, to help move this forward and I'm sure Javi you never have easy questions so um, it's going to be a fun one man but we always start today with what is on Javier's mind. What are you thinking about to start us off Javi?
1: have a few interesting news items. The first one is a new report out of the Federal Reserve Bank which shed economic impact on the uh, or, or sorry that shed light on the economic impact of cannabis legalization in recent years. Uh, and basically, it confirmed what we all know. It's a boon for real estate, for new jobs, and for tax revenue. The uh, An analyst from Kansas City, one of the branches of the central bank in the U.S., for those who don't know, the Federal Reserve Bank is basically a central bank in the U.S., collected data from several states under uh, the jurisdiction of this Kansas City uh, Federal Reserve Bank or branch, uh, the 10th um, district uh, and looked at, at at the cannabis industry and how it impacts. And they said overall, the marijuana industry has had a significant effect on the economics of the 10th district states in the initial years of legalization or after legalization. The emergence of the industry has led to higher employment and higher demand for commercial real
0: estate. What is the price? Big time. You know, I wasn't that at all.
1: Who would have guessed?
0: <laughs> you know, who would have guessed? But also, uh, what an interesting kind of correlation between that and the MedMen story we were talking about early last week. Uh, if, you know, federally, they actually get away from being in federal court and they somehow come out in the positive, does that scare away real estate providers in normal regulated markets? I don't know. It all remains to be seen. It's all up in the air right now. But I mean, it, an interesting um, correlation there.
1: It's very interesting that you bring up MedMen as well. Um Last night, I was chatting with one of our writers, a PhD candidate, Nicolás José Rodríguez uh, at Benzinga. Go check out his work, by the way. And he was telling me, I remember that interview you did with uh, Adam Bierman, one of the founders of the original founders of Mm Metman. And he he remembered one part of the interview where, where he said, like, this industry is so new that you basically make it up as you go and you can do whatever you want. You know, it's all about experimenting is all about. And when I say do whatever you want, I mean, within regulations, I mean, in terms of innovation, do as you please.
0: Without going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're continuing to run on that model. So I I would say that is accurate. Travis Owens, drop in the app name, man. Pump it uh, a little bit. (laughs) He just dropped another note. We'll read that in a second. Choom, C-H-O-O-F. A lot of cash and a lot of less assets now from that cash. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that one. That being said, honestly, Chum was up and coming. Sold off, what was it, nine dispensaries to High um, Have a good amount of cash on hand. Javi, what do you think they do with that cash, man? Do you think they cash out? Do you think they uh, look to dive in again to, to cannabis with some better assets? I, I
1: don't know.
0: I mean – it's hard to tell.
1: I, I I do understand that they're getting out of retail, right? What they're going to do with the cash I don't really understand. I'm sure that they will continue to expand their footprint in in you know different uh areas or sectors within the vertical integration chain. Um mm, interesting. It, Yeah, I mean honestly, we we do see a lot of of companies divesting assets also just for like like general operating money, right? we saw a lot of sale leasebacks last year. Uh, we saw a lot of companies divesting non-core assets this year, right? Especially in Canada. Uh, it seems like cash constraints trains have led to, to divesting assets in different ways to, to make capital and cash available for, for expansion and general operational stuff. Right. You know, another thing I was talking about with Nico last night, right. Um, you know, we're talking about growing cannabis in Latin America, about different ideas, different models, craft growers. Now, I would tell you what I do. Growing cannabis is not profitable. There's actually one company that did crowd growing called Juicy Fields, which is definitely oh. now has gone under. Yeah. Um, I was always uh, quite bearish regarding their model. And I told that, you know, I told them that to their faces. There's a very interesting Twitter thread where I break down what happened with them. But, you know, you would go into the website and the first thing they said was invest in cannabis. It's profitable. And I sat down with them last year and was like, dude, how is it profitable? I remember in December I was in Uruguay and I asked them, like, how is it profitable? You no, know, no cannabis companies are really profitable out there by growing cannabis. Very few are. They were like, which ones? Every one of them. Doesn't seem to be a very profitable business unless you integrate and and you do retail or you do something else.
0: Well, uh, that is why the MSOs are currently leading the industry. When you say, however, there is a shift happening. You can't deny that now investors are starting to enjoy the IP and the potential of brands. And they're buying into the likes of, you know, companies like, I'm not saying these companies themselves, but just off the top of my head, Old Pal, Her Highness, Black Buddha, these brands uh that msos are now buying msos are now partnering with can um stizzy i mean these are all companies that um are brands that have our asset light uh for that matter that being said javi let's not go too deep into one story here yet we'll get Mm -hmm. there but that being said i want to mention one thing and then you get a two-minute rapid fire round man we fell back down to earth real hard (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> After last week, um, I mean, to be expected, but I will say a positive development this morning in my mind is Cory Booker. Once once again, however, as clear as I think he's ever said it, he's confident that some sort of federal legislation could get done in the lame duck session. That is interesting to me. I, I'm excited to see what that means. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on something else happening this year. I don't know about you, but he hasn't really said it that plainly yet. So here's to hoping, right? Yeah. That being said, stocks did not hold. <laughs> past about about
1: and about uh, Biden's announcement the other day, a Twitter hoax instantly came out. You know, uh, this, this Twitter user, I'm not going to name them. It doesn't make any sense. But they came out saying, that Reuters was reporting that Nancy Pelosi had purchased 10 million shares of Canopy Growth in Canada, uh, which, of course, was false. They picked the people only stock. They do. reported this, but people will buy whatever they see on Twitter, which
0: is sad. Go check your source. Yo, Twitter is not like rule of thumb here. Well, <laughs> Twitter is not life. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say that over and over with each other here. Uh, and that includes Javier Haas misinformation guy right there uh, <laughs> just kidding no. just kidding no. uh, web three and cannabis i will say javier weren't we the first ones to have like our publication at a virtual dispensary or something that was all you right You're
1: the first um like western like uh, western hemisphere or western world digital publication in general to launch in the metaverse uh, with El Planteo and with Benzinger Cannabis. You can
0: find us on Crypto Sales. There you go. All right. Find us in the metaverse, y'all. That's <laughs> awesome. Thanks to Javier Haas thinking ahead, y'all. That Thank being said, two-minute round, and then we're going to go to a lady who is much smarter than us.
1: So we're talking to, you know, who is doing pretty well from Canada, Fire and Flower Holdings, FFLWF in the OTC, FAF in Canada, They announced uh, that they are uh, continuing to expand or or planning to continue to expand and and launch cannabis sales in several U.S. states. Uh, They're also leveraging their high-fire technology platform in the United States. Also talking about technology, Leafly Holdings, LFLY, has partnered with Blaze, which is a a point of sale platform to expand or or actually they're expanding a pre-existing partnership.
0: Man. Um, Blaze is loading up the partnerships. Aren't they? Didn't they just partner with another huge tech company as well? I can't remember which one that was, but yeah. Keep an eye on Blaze, y'all. An interesting POS company there. Private, but good one. And I will say going back to Fire and Flower, keep an eye on High Fire, that's the data that Cantor Fitzgerald uses uh, to look at the Canadian LPs. It, High Fire provides data to a ton of investment banks and analysts. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the U.S. market. Anyways, Javi, continue.
1: I mean, I can do like a couple of quick headlines and let's jump to the interview. I'm more interested you in will. that. But two and three Americans agree with Biden's cannabis pardon. As many as 62% of adults uh, uh, thought that marijuana decriminalization is important to re- rectify past racial injustices as well. 72% of Americans support Uh, how the law classifies marijuana. Super interesting. One more item, legendary NHL star, Brett Hull. Uh, We we did an an article where he talks about weed, his new strain, cannabis for uh, chronic pain. He will launch uh, his medical marijuana strain called Brett Hull number 16. Um, This will launch in Mississippi at the Hippos Dispensary.
0: I feel like we could have a conversation, Brett Hull 16, COVID-19, what does it actually mean? Uh, but that being oh, said, awesome that news. yeah, we have, all right, so y'all, we have two awesome interviews here for you today, we're going to bring those amazing executives to you now, and then after that, I believe Javi, you have another special segment for us in terms of product review, stay tuned, stay tuned uh, to what Javier has in store for us today, ooh, a tease, the more you know that was like the more you know rainbow all right let 's do it aaron thomas let 's bring over Stacey Renowsky, CEO of Canix Stacy, welcome in. How are you?
2: Good, thank you for having me
0: oh, we're pumped to have you pumped the leading tech of our generation actually i mean we 're going to explain why i 'm saying that, but give us an introduction. To yourself, to Canix.
2: Absolutely. So I'm Stacy. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Canix, um, which is a wholesale ERP system used by cannabis cultivators, manufacturers, and distributors.
0: Fantastic. Now a follow-up, real quick, as your introduction, and then I'm going to let Javi take it. You recently, probably what, in the last six months to a year, won Best Disrupting Tech. Is that correct? A Tech Crunch. Uh, tech
2: Crunch Disrupt in twenty twenty. Cr- Yes. I I just switched the word around. Close. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So that's really cool. If I'm not mistaken, probably the first cannabis company to uh, even get close to winning that, let alone winning that. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what that means uh, in terms of bringing our tech to the normalized regulated markets and vice versa?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we were the first cannabis company to win. So we were very honored with that. And it was really exciting. I mean, what I really was most pumped about showing was that cannabis tech can be the leading tech of any vertical. Cannabis tech doesn't need to be the leftovers or, um, you know, the second tier. And I I was really happy to show, you know, cannabis tech can go up against rocket ships and neobanks and, you know, everything else that investors love to look at. Um, That's our goal at Canix to really bring the industry, like, the leading forefront tech to the cannabis industry. So it was very cool to get that external recognition.
0: So cool.
1: You know, you you, you got into into the cannabis space after consulting for a cannabis company in California uh, about three years ago. And you, you identified some operational challenges, which then sparked the idea to create CanX. What were some of these operational challenges that you identified early on? How does Canic solve them? And which ones are still not being solved and in, in, in need of a solution?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the solutions I was building was helping to connect their CRM and their distribution systems. And it really honestly, the recurring thought I had was, how do I have a job? Shouldn't there be an API or a different system that pushes from one system to another? I'd worked in private equity before and seen a lot of industries where they did have that software and that one source solution. So. I, I honestly kept wondering, like, do, do they just not know that something else is out there? But the more I, the more I learned, and the more I, um, you know, saw the cannabis industry, I was like, there isn't one so, like source of truth for your data. Another thing that was really surprising, um, I saw that they were doing a lot of costing, um, like their bill of materials costing on Excel. And like coming from a financial background, I was like, you need to know your numbers. Like that is critical. Like you need to know how much you're making, um, how profitability compares against different skews, against different strains, different harvest batches. Um, So what Canix is tackling at a high level is becoming that one system to run your wholesale cannabis business. And where we really focus is on inventory management and product costing. Product costing is... Very, very interesting in the cannabis industry because it's still i mean it's never been legal before, so it's never been done. um so it's it's honestly just a really exciting space to work in
0: what how saturated is what you do? because it seems to be an ever changing side of this industry, and uh, a lot of perspectives in terms of ERP is you know what we're um, I would say associating ERP with would be maybe public companies that have been around forever. But there's a lot of tech out there that hasn't been you know publicly investable so how like how much of this market has yet to be um trailblazed?
2: yeah, it's a great question. so how saturated i i mean honestly, what we see is that most major companies don't have an e r p system that they currently love or that's even doing what they need it to do at a minimum. so I would estimate that like seventy five percent of like major let's call them like three plus license operators um, don't have the tech that they need to run their business right now. Jeez, <laughs> Honestly, really surprising. But when you go in and you see these Excel sheets and, you know, QuickBooks and all these like Google Forms happening, it's it's a little shocking. And honestly, like what gets me up in the morning, I'm like, people deserve better. Like no one should be doing that data entry. <laughs>
1: I feel so identified. Literally two days ago, we just acquired an ERP system for our Latin American outlet, El Panteo. And we were doing everything in spreadsheets for like over two years. And then like a finance guy, he's like a finance, and like he's got a master's in finance. He goes like, dude, we need, a, we need an ERP software. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. people
1: don't know. What, what are they for, right? Like for in layman's terms, what, what are they for? Why, why are ERP systems important, right?
2: Sure. So it stands for Enterprise Resource Planning Software. And what is it for? You as a like manufacturing business, it's critical to know how much inventory you have on hand, how much that inventory is worth, how much you can expect to sell in the future, and how much you've sold in the past. Um, so really getting that like mapping and that system of record for your business, that's what they're for, because you need that to make informed decisions. Past isn't always an indicator of the future, but you certainly want to look at it to understand what might happen in the future. Um, and with cannabis and compliance and the amount of data that people have to capture, we're able to do some really interesting things in the forecasting space to be able to predict how much product is going to be moved, like in the future.
0: How long has it taken you to build Canx hey, to what it is now?
2: I mean, we're still building it. Like, I mean, <laughs> <Fair> we, <laughs> I I really. I mean, I have an engineering background, and my co-founder also has an engineering background, and I expect that we'll be like a product led company for the next twenty four months. We cons I don't see actually a future where we where we don't like have a very active engineering team. We always want to improve and bring the latest and greatest to our customers. so yeah, I, I don't really see an end in sight to like what we're building
0: and then one more quick question and all that hobby uh, take it from there. but in terms of where you're building to, right now, the client base, do you see the the lack of good technology in, in ERP, the lack of companies really understanding what they need to, to balance their books and to have their numbers in front of them? Is that a reason why so, like some of the balance sheets in this industry are just terrible? Does that play into it?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, it's such an involved, also good question. I think it's definitely a... Yeah, actually, I do think it's a pretty big part of it. Um, I won't speak to why like a balance sheet might look the way it will, but I think that knowing and knowing your numbers allows you to make better decisions. If you can see it plainly and you can see it accurately and clearly and in a timely fashion, like not closing your books over the next six weeks before the decisions have been made, I do think that leads to better decisions. And I do think that would lead to a more financially solvent industry all around. Yeah.
1: Here's a non-tech related question to close it up. Um, one of the things that, that most surprised me in a positive way and impressed me in a positive way when looking at your company and its makeup, it's, it's 50-50 in terms of gender, right? Or, or assume gender, of course, because I really don't know which, which is the, the actual gender of people. But you look at it and, and, and you go like, it, it looks like 50-50 men and women, right? Uh, um, is this on purpose? And if so, why? What, what what do you expect to accomplish from this? Or is it just accidental?
2: Interesting. I'd say it's intentional in the way that we look for candidates who lead to a diversity of like intellectual thinking patterns, I'll call for lack of a better word. Um, because we as a company, we want to be challenged, like internally, we want like, you know, opposing views so we can really have that discourse lead to the best decision forward for candidates. Um, And I do think that having differing backgrounds, um, gender, race, etc., um, does lead to having differing viewpoints in many cases. Um, we do look, we look for the best candidate for the job, but we've like I've noticed how good it is to have people on my team who just come from, honestly, a different position than I do. And we're able to kind of have that like intellectual push and pull. It's really fun. And I, I think we get really cool things out of it.
0: That's awesome. So where can they find you uh, if you want to drop in anything we can expect in the coming months leading into 23? Uh, we, we'd love to keep in touch with Canix. I mean, as super cool up and coming tech. Tech has been a through line of our shows recently. So it's really nice to have you on.
2: Yeah, um, you can check us out at Canix.com. We're on Instagram at Canic Software. And we're going to be at MJ BizCon. If any of your listeners are there, we'd love to see you. We have a booth, please come we'll stop see by.: you
0: Yes. Yeah, we'll there. See you there. We will see you there for sure, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate Thanks your so time. And congratulations on everything you've accomplished so far.: Thank you. All right, Javi, I mean, another amazing tech leader. Stacy's obviously building something to last. Over there. And I think it's worth pointing out, and I didn't want to make her talk to this, but whatever competition isn't that great. There are some out there that are fantastic, yeah. but like it really does seem like she has built the grounding for what could be an industry leader. There are other, plenty other ERP software providers out there, but. I mean, some are just yeah. cobbled together and you know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh,
1: I, I, I want to quote your brother, Patrick Lane on this one. And I'm going to say shots fired. Uh, and to and no I, one in particular. I'll say that, to no I one in particular. To, to, to another company and I won't say which one during our Cannabis Capital Conference. And it was the only part of the conference that, that was not filmed. So I am extremely happy that only a few people in the room, because it was a VIP
0: breakfast, heard that. Um, oh, okay. it, was, it was okay. It was justified. but <laughs> It was justified. Well, good. I'm oh, glad we can justifiably throw sh- you know, fire some shots. <laughs> Travis Owens, thank you for dropping that in. Super cool, man. Uh, stoner talk. I'm going to check it out for sure. Strictly 3 Sports, getting ready for your oh, product review, Javi. Uh,
1: we already did a review on the Puffco Proxy two weeks ago. Go check
0: it out. Oh, no, we did? You got to check it out. Yeah, uh, we got to put it on socials too. With that being said, Javier, do you want to introduce our next guest? I'm pumped. No, you do it. <laughs> oh, you want me to do it? All right. Drum roll, please, everybody. Kari Edwards, head of corporate and social responsibility from Air Wellness. That is OTC listed. A-Y-R-W-S.
3: Welcome in, Kari. How are you? I'm great, guys. Thank you for having me. This is exciting for me to be here.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Appreciate that, man. Welcome in. So we always love a quick introduction uh, about you, how you got into cannabis. But I obviously want to dive into some topical items too. But let's start with you.
3: Um, Kari Edwards, uh, long, long living, long standing Brooklynite. Um, spent 25 years of my career in government uh, mostly state government and healthcare. care um, ran for brooklyn borough president last year didn't win uh got a phone call uh from jennifer drake the coo of air asked me if i'd be interested in cannabis um i was like nah it's not my thing but had a chance to sit down with john Sendelman, and it was like two long lost brothers um his focus on what he wanted his company to be force for good um, the things that I've worked on throughout my life in disparity, social justice. And he wanted to actually merge the two um, with a focus, obviously, from a cannabis standpoint. And I took the job and I have to say that I have been living an amazing dream, changing the lives of people all around the country, all around their footprint. Um, and, you know, kudos to cannabis in that respect.
0: Yeah, this is this is a really interesting perspective. So thank you for that background. So you have not been, um, you know, amongst the front lines for uh, cannabis decriminalization for years, as a lot of people that we speak with have. However, that being said, you understand the importance of it. I love your your thoughts, you know, working on the corporate side of, of the cannabis space, coming from a government relations standpoint, having been there to try and fight for the people, uh, you know, going for some sort of public office. What is your initial reaction to the executive action from President Biden last week?
3: Um it, it was a thank you, right? You know, a lot of people say about time or ecstatic. It was really thank you because a lot of the work that we do at air, um, it, it's really about the people and watching how people truly suffer on the most minute levels because of cannabis. Um it, it's heartbreaking. You know, um we did my first my first big role. My first big project is on February 27th um, of this year. We did a five state expungement event um, in Illinois, uh, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, um, New Jersey. And and really what we found was that folks wanted to get their records clear because even though they were free, they still had what we call paper handcuffs. And, you know, and I put that in my remarks because the paper handcuffs, as well as um, Biden alluded to it are the ways that people can't get health care, can't get education, can't get jobs um, outside of New York City. And kudos to my state for expunging um, cannabis convictions. But outside of New York State, you know, folks are really suffering, right? Housing, you can't get into public housing. You can't get into federal HUD housing with, with this over your head. So it really was a thank you because he he really opened up a pathway for folks to to get a fresh start. And so the things that we do at AIR, we call ours changing legacies because the legacies of criminalization follows these folks throughout their lives. And so as we expunge them, as we work to expunge them, we now change their entire legacy on how they move forward with their families. So we get to remove those paper handcuffs.
1: I have two back-to-back questions Uh, I would like to ask if Mr. Lane will allow me. Um, first one is, uh, you said, you know, cannabis wasn't really my thing, but then, you know, something convinced you. What was Uh, it? You know, why was cannabis not your thing or why did you think it was not your thing? And then what convinced you to change your mind? That is the first question.
3: Well, I I grew up and I look a lot younger than I really am. Right. But I grew up in a generation where, cannabis was seen as a bad thing, right? You know, it's a scheduled one drug, but also in communities of color and in West Indian communities, it's like, you can't do that, right? Like, that's the devil's boot. It's like taking drugs. Um, interestingly enough, I'm a type one diabetic. And when I started dating my now wife at the time, you know, she was a cannabis uh, consumer. And I'm like, you know, it's not my thing. And she's like, try it, try it. And so at the time I had high sugars, like, you know, so my eyes are wearing glasses now, but my eyes are really bad because of the diabetic or not the back of my eyes. And so I smoked occasionally. And when I went to um, my eye doctor, he was like, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. He's like, your sugars are still the same, but the spots are cleared up in the back of your eyes. And I'm like, what? So I leaned over and I'm like, well, I'm smoking. I'm smoking like once a week. And he was like, keep doing it. I'm like, keep doing it. So it wasn't my thing because of, again, you working in government, it's a public thing. I was working in healthcare, got drug tested. Um, but understanding that the the way people medicated, the way that people actually use this thing as a healing plant, was to start breaking the the misconceptions that I had. And so the offer really for me was to change people's lives, and that's what ended up working me into this space. Right? Folks are being locked up. Folks are being you know persecuted. You know, we talk about healthcare inequities. How, how about it being a place where you know kids, not kids, but Folks can't take gummies to fall asleep because of all these things. And so it really changed my perspective and it's now become my mission. It's become my mission to really explain to the world this plant heals too. And it's not this thing that we've been criminalized and locked up for. And the last point I'm going to make, the hospital I used to work at um, is in Southeast Brooklyn, um, 26000 um, a year median income, third grade reading level, the highest incarceration rates because of Something as simple as cannabis, and so now you're talking about a, almost a million people in an area in Brooklyn that are being you know targeted because of something that everybody can smoke now for free with no problem and so that that also changed my perspective on what we are doing
1: and the the other one is you know talking a little bit about mission driven things right you know csr corporate social responsibility is one of those where it's you know it's not always easy to measure the the returns in financial terms right and a lot of people uh, often wonder if it's a real thing or not right so this might sound like a facetious question but i kind of suspect your answer of course is is you know this is a real thing but csr real or bs right and and and, and if real why imagine it, you're trying to to help a friend save their, their CSR department and their company because they want to shut it down, right? What what does CSR really do for a company it, or society?
3: It, it opens up opportunity, right? So when, when I ran for office, you know, you know being a borough president, you would have had $100 million in capital funding. And so what are you able to do? Go to small groups and, and give them money and open up the opportunities for them either to, create more jobs for other folks and, and all these great things. It's no different in cannabis. It's no different, especially for CSR. We have a responsibility to now infuse all of the money that we're making, all of the opportunities we have to educate our consumers, to open up opportunities when, when we do food pantries, when we do expungement events, when we do housing things, it's not a cannabis related activity. It's a community related activity and one thing that john senderman said is like look i don't want to be the best cannabis company doing corporate and social responsibility i want to be the best company and so what that means to me is that we turn around and we go into these communities that are not only affected by the war on drugs but that need a a economic push or to need a partnership and we're saying hey we're not going to do those things so to all of the naysayers who just think it's like you know show it's it's we we have documentation that it's not show that we've turned people we've given people opportunities for education we've opened up opportunities for jobs you know when i tell you there folks that come to me all the time like you know i would love to learn how to cultivate but it's not legal in my state i'm like do you want to come to new jersey you want to come to pennsylvania we'll hire you and we've done it and so it, it's really exciting to do the work of people um but obviously using again this healing plant to do those things
0: from your perspective, as a former healthcare employee uh, and, and worker, when you look at how this industry has been divvied up between medical states, between recreational states, um, really recreational adult use seems to be just increased access um, more than anything else. Is there a place for prescription cannabis in the future? Is there a place for cannabis within healthcare? Uh, or or does it just become more access in the future? Uh, and that's what we focus on. And I think this is particularly interesting um, to get your answer being uh, that you lead CSR for an MSO.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's it's twofold, right? I think you can kind of walk down a street and a half with that, right? More access obviously does for whether it's an MSO or any company trying to get in, give them a, a broader you know, set of folks to deal with. But there is a need for the medical side, right? There's a need for pain management. There's a need for Crohn's disease and, and lupus. There's a need to understand, you know, how people's, you know, sleep apnea work. And so I think in those respects, we should really look at prescribing it um, from a medical standpoint, because, yeah, some folks may, may not. I don't know anything about terpenes, right? That's, that's not my thing. I don't know what keeps me up, what makes me go to sleep. But there are folks that do do that. And, you know, one of the things, and, and I, I like to shout out, shout out this guy, Russell. He's a security guard at uh, one of our dispensaries in Jersey, right? He said to me, he said, Mr. Edwards, I locked up people 25 years for this. He was a cop in, in New Jersey. And he see he said, now that I see them coming into our stores, and they're, they're basically, this is the only way they deal with, you know, um, stage four cancer. This is the only way they deal with, like, joint pains i I realize that this this particular way is is helping folks but there needs to be people to prescribe that right because you know as much as you could go to a bud tender and be like hey i want to stay up and go to sleep it's it's a little deeper when you have an ailment like me like i have diabetes it's a little deeper so i do think that there should be a real opening an opportunity for um prescriptive um cannabis um and it, it, it'll help the medical industry as well, um, but I do think that there, it needs to be a real focus on that, in which you know I did see Biden spoke about that as well. I give him a lot of credit, Like in his remarks, research for all of those things, he kind of really broke those things down, which was a really thoughtful reality, what he did.
0: All right, last question here, then we gotta wrap up my friend. but this has been very insightful and thank you for joining us, honestly, and on short notice as well, so thank you. What, when it comes to criminalization? We've not asked anybody this yet, but now that we have pardons uh, for what uh, was it? Some 6,000 plus people, Mm -hmm. uh, I think. And we have uh, a pretty heavy handed encouragement of states to follow that. What phase of the game are we in now? What inning, say out of nine innings, are we in when it comes to decriminalization? Because up until Thursday of last week, we were pretty early on. How far does that take us in into where the the final end game of marijuana has been uh, officially taken away from criminalization and, and wiped away?
3: I mean, I I would say we're in the third inning um, because part, part of where we have to look at, right, it was heavy handed to ask the states to do that. Will the states do that? You know, all politics is local. Will the states and cities do that? Um, a lot of the expungement events that we are doing, you know, we're in states, you know, like Massachusetts that still have some some situations where expungement is a difficult process um connecticut's a difficult process so when the states start to do it we're getting more in the fifth and sixth inning but then what do we do afterwards what's the education What what is the support system once you are expunged to not rehabilitate that trauma because you know folks who have paper handcuffs have trauma too and mm-hmm. so now you we can't move to the end of the game without dealing with the trauma of folks who've lived with this almost 20, 30 years, or folks who, like me, who were at the time a little worried to do it. And so I would say we're in the third inning, um, you know, with, hopefully with the bases loaded and, and uh, Aaron Judge at the plate. So that, that's the hope, that's the hope.
0: All right, well, hopefully we get number I 60.
1: What that matter for me, I gotta be very honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got
0: you, Kari, I got you. I'm Something. I'm there with you. Um, <laughs> Kari Edwards, head of CSR at Air Wellness, thank you so much for joining us again, sir. Uh, let's get an update soon. This was very insightful.
3: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Be well.
0: Awesome. Javi, we went long today, but we had two awesome guests, man. I mean, how can we not? Right? We're going to do the
1: product review for the much-expected higher wheat segment at the beginning of the show on Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, one. Ah. 1- specific.
0: Oh, I feel uh, hurt. All right. Three sports. I apologize. I apologize. I lied to the audience. I said we were doing it today. I lied. That's fine. All it's good. It's my it's fault.
1: All good. I'm going to show you one of the things that I'm going to review, and I'm not going to
0: tell you what it is. The magic. Very it looks like a, a police like nightstick. Um, anyways, Javier Haas will start the show on Thursday at four Eastern time. Sharp. Don't be late. Don't be a square. Be here with his product review of whatever that beautiful floating thing was on our screen. That being said, Javier, any last words for our audience, for the ones that stood around and stuck with us? The quick reminder
1: is always like, and subscribe, check us out every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 PM Pacific, 4 PM Eastern time for Cannabis Insider. My good friend, Elliot Lane, also does a daily podcast called Cannabis Daily. Go check it out every morning. Subscribe to our newsletter, Cannabis Daily. Check out benzinga.com cannabis. Every freaking day, several times a day at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3 p.m., and at 5 p.m. to get all of your news in the cannabis world, on the psychedelics world. We put out about 40 articles every day. Shout out to Maureen, to Nina, to Yelena, to Lara, to Nico, to Joanna, to all the hardworking cannabis and psychedelics uh, team members on the editorial side and mark your calendars. We're coming back to Miami. We already
0: know. Wrote- Y'all, we should make a whole infomercial out of all the cannabis activations we have. But it just means we're your one-stop shop for cannabis right here at Benzinga. That said, we're out, we're done. We got one more show on Thursday at 4 Eastern time. Don't be late. Don't be square. Be there. Javier Haas, love you, my friend. See you Thursday. You. Peace.